Hey, what's up, man? Finally got this thing worked out. Good to connect with you. How you doing? Good, brother. How you doing? It's been one of those days, my friend. It's been one of those days. I appreciate your patience with me. Um, it's just been one of those days, man. You got involved in a hit and run today with the latest recording and everything. Um, oh, dang. Oh, man. Sorry but, to hear that, brother. But it's okay. It's okay. Um, usually, I'm so accustomed to doing this by myself. Um, as of late, I don't always um, get the right links. So now I know which one to send. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me for a second. But anyway, uh, I'm glad to have you on board. And like I said, I themed this around what you put in your profile. And basically, it's an open, open end of this conversation. Um, after it's all over, you probably think you know me for a long time. So for my listening audience, just share about yourself and how you came to the conclusion you did based on where you grew up and how to, how you came out of that environment. Okay. You talking about like go right now? Yeah. It's oh, free. Are, we, are we recording now? Yeah, we already recording. We've been talk, recording since I started talking. We, once, okay, you get the, okay. once I get the right, that's why I, my stuff is really conversational. It's not edited straight from the heart. Um, as my fiance says, sometimes I talk too much from the heart. <laughs> but uh, it's okay. It's me. And you're the first. Uh, I don't. I don't like using the word guest. You're the first um, conversationalist I've had on for probably like seven months. So it's a big deal right now. And we're dealing with black men and different things we came through or, or what you've been through more so, how it can impact others. Yeah. And as um, soon as it's over, I'll sh- the easiest part is sending you the link to post on all the places you want to post it at. <laughs> That's all. That's the easiest part of this. Yeah. Like I said, they know me. I'm Alfred Harold, brand name and more than a poet. Uh, this podcast is played on a bunch of platforms. From Amazon podcast to Google to you name it. Um, currently it's been heard as far as we Malaysia. Soon to be Sydney, Australia when I interviewed that gentleman uh, on the 29th. So you're in a good place where your, your voice will reach a lot of folks. And this is my southern accent. So I'm in the south. <laughs> That's it for me right now. Okay. Okay. Um, well, for me, I discovered this concept about 15 years ago doing some counseling somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. I was on a, um, I went to counseling, had, had a pretty bad breakup, but it was, of course, not court mandated, but mm-hmm. I checked myself in just to, just to see where I was at mentally with it. And then as I was telling my story to this, counsel lady it just hit me like this stuff doesn't sound it just didn't it just didn't sound right like the things i was just describing like how many friends i lost and mm. how i had to grow up in poverty and you know i grew up in south central so i saw a lot there mm. um, i, grew I up heard stories California. yeah yeah it's, it's 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 amazing i've seen i've seen it all like friends get shot friends get shot 
in front of me. I've seen mm. people get shot in front of me. I've seen people get jacked. I've seen people get beat up. I've seen a guy get jacked for a red jacket and get burnt up for the jacket. Like, mm. all kind of weird, like, all over colors and gangbanging. Like, it was amazing that these people really was this angry about a color in the block. And I could never understand it. But when you leave that environment, it's kind of like you leave a war zone. And when you leave a war zone, they have post-traumatic stress disorder for people who have, you know, uh, are shell-shocked and all that stuff from what they experience more. But there's not much when you experience when you leave the hood, because the hood is a war zone. Um, and I grew up in one of the most dangerous war zones in America, which is South Central L.A. Um, but coming out of that, in that in that session, when I was describing everything, I was like, this this needs to be something like forget post-traumatic stress disorder. I got hood disorders. <laughs> so mm. it kind of like hit me like that. And I didn't know what to do with it until then because I was just now beginning my healing phase stages. And as I um, grew into it, it wasn't until my a recent marriage, that not too long ago rather, that I broke up. I had a divorce happen in 2019. And that just kind of, kind of, was a the, the the straw that broke the camel's back it just made me slow down and just stop and just look at everything from every angle how am i showing up in relationships why am i going up and down in relationships like why is it always the same common thread it seems like and i went back to ptsd um i went back to that of what i saw as a child what i saw in my house or what i didn't see in my house even um growing up with a one parent and a stepfather that was a womanizer that had six kids on my mother. And I'm, it was just, I didn't, I didn't know what a man was. I didn't know what family was. I didn't know what it was to be loved. I didn't know none of that. So all I knew was, was fight back and respond and react. That's all I knew. So when I came to that conclusion after that divorce, it kind of, and I went through some, some spiritual training, some African spiritual training that taught me, uh, the concepts of character and all these things. And these are things I had never learned before in my life. So I started putting those things together and rewiring my mindset. And now I'm helping other people do the same thing that's coming from the same backgrounds. Cause there's no one really that really caters to us. There's no counselor that caters to a person that comes out of the hood. We just, it's just normalized. Baby mamas and daddies are normalized. Gangsters are normalized. They make TV shows and songs about it. Everything's normalized as traumatic technically in other communities, mm. except ours. Mm. I never thought about it that way. I did have the opportunity to work with a young man on my job for about six weeks, who was a transplant here from South Central. And one of the first things I remember telling me, this is recent, was that people think they're gangster here. They call it the hood here. They don't know what it's like to actually be in the hood. And he described a lot of what you described to me. Um, and how he had gotten off of an insufficient weapons charge or something like that. And that's the only reason. And, short, and shortly thereafter, uh, last couple of years or so, something happened because in the migrate here to North Carolina, so he'd probably be dead. Because it was so easy for him to slip back in that culture. That environment, that's all he knew. Uh, but he was fortunate enough to get pulled out. And now you've just brought back memories of some of the stuff he told me. He took it to a whole different level. Um, 
I'm like, I'm just in awe. I mean, wow. Um, I have my own story. It's not related in your context. But I am a survivor of a traumatic childhood, which is covered in several episodes of this podcast. Um, and I cope with it quite a bit in different ways. I've been in therapy. I'm going to go back in therapy again because I don't know about well, how, like my, I know I have triggers. Do you have things that sometimes trigger you based on that trauma that, that cause you to go this way or that way, even though you know it's not the best way to go? I know I have certain triggers related to my trauma. Do you? Can you hear me? Jasar, are you still there? Oh, yeah. So you can hear me good. Okay. So, um, again, do you have certain things that trigger you? I, like I said, I have certain things that raise my own t- personal trauma growing up that trigger me sometimes and make certain decisions or speak a certain kind of way till I catch myself and realize this is a trigger point. I'll have you get your mic. I see your mic is muted over here. It shouldn't be. Yeah, you get your mic muted. Can I? Can you hear me still? Now I can hear you. You unmuted your mic. Oh. Yeah, you muted your mic. Oh man, I hit the wrong button. Okay, my bad. Yeah, yeah, I saw that little line up there. It went from from green to white. So you hit the mute button. <laughs> My bad, my bad. You're fine, but like, yeah, that's gotta. Yeah, happens. Like I said, that's why this is unedited. I want it to be raw. I want it to be natural. There's gonna be hiccups. Biggest thing is just getting connected because I want the listening audience to get a feel of who we are, not just what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I said, people have listened to different episodes of mine about my personal stuff. Yeah. Uh, sometimes for myself, because of my upbringing, it could be a smell, it could be a sight. Uh, it could be in a group of people and someone say something that's totally innocent to someone else. It's a buzzword that causes me to get a certain feel a certain kind of way. So in line with your story, do you have certain things that trigger you from time to time that you have to pull back and catch yourself on? Mm-hmm. So I have a bunch of them. Man. Okay. Um, you mind sharing a couple? Is this okay? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll give you a story. Okay. Um, a couple years ago, probably about three years ago, I went to my friend. He has a his wife throws him a birthday party every Christmas Eve because he's born on Christmas Eve. So everybody knows to go over to his house, right? Every Christmas Eve, he just automatically show up. Mm-hmm. So I came over there this one year, normal time, just come over, have fun. I get there, I'm talking to my friend's mother and all that. We catching up. And all of a sudden, this guy walks in the room I have never seen before, and he was looking at me all weird. But to me, I know what that means. You're from South Central LA, you know what it looked means. Mm-mm. 
right? Mm-hmm. So it's like he had a problem, but I don't know who he is. So I'm trying to ignore him, and he shakes my hand, and he shakes my hand like really hard and aggressive. It almost made me want to just like sock him, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know because I didn't know what it was. But I tried to like play it back and like, you know, I'm in front of my friend's mother. I'm in a, his big birthday party. We're not going to set this off like this. So I tried to ignore it. Long story short, he did it again. He came back and did it again. And then my friend shows up, the one I was waiting for. He shows up and I'm like, you know what, bro? I'm going to go ahead and leave. I'm just not feeling the energy. So I, I leave outside and my friend comes outside and walks me out. And this guy comes right behind me again. Mm. So he comes out and he's he's saying things to me now. Like he's acting like he can like talk about my clothes. Like he can talk about my shoes. Like he knows me. And at that point, I, I had to shut it off. Like, nah, bro, you're not going to do that one here, homie. And he's like, what you mean, man? Like, uh, uh. And then my friend steps in and kind of like tries to deflect it. And dude said something to him. I said, look here. My friend name was Jerome. I said, Jerome, I'm going to go ahead and leave, bro. And I got in the car and I left. Now, the whole time I'm driving home, I'm feeling like I got punked. Wow. I'm feeling like, why didn't I sock him? Wow. I'm feeling like I'm weak. I'm feeling like he was a buster, bro. Like, you going to let this dude do this to you? Like, it was like that, that little small voice in your shoulder just talking to me the whole time. Mm. But that voice lasted for, like, almost a month. Mm. I felt bad for, like, almost a month. Like, I didn't do nothing to this dude. But after that month wore off, it was like, no, bro, you're making different choices. Like, what, what would have happened? Like, you could have socked him. Somebody could have got shot, went to jail, uh, messed up my man's party. Like, all kinds of things could have happened over that. That was your test, and you passed it. Just let it go and keep it pushing. You're changing. You're rewiring the software. You can't rewire it unless you are faced with the same things again, and you make different choices. Yeah. That, so that, I have to accept it. That can be hard to do sometimes. It is. I mean, that was super hard for me to do. Yeah, I mean... Uh, <coughs> that was super hard for me. One of, one of the most challenging things for me is uh, deflection. So when it, especially when it comes to uh, um, my personal life. See, I find myself deflecting as a protection mechanism against some things. Uh, I get one of the great one of, one of the examples, I guess, would be like, like we're talking now, and you might you may say something, and all of a sudden I'm going to change the subject real quick, knowing that because what you're saying, you're speaking a truth to me that I need to hear, but I don't want to hear that truth because if I hear that truth, it's going to require some type of action on my, on my behalf. Versus. For my betterment, however, if I respond without thinking about it, it can be a real ugly thing. Uh, I've discovered, I mean, I end up in argue, I mean, I end up in personal arguments, personal disagreements, all because of the way someone spoke something that was similar to my growing up. See, I grew up with an abusive grandmother, nothing compared to what you're doing. That's why this is not about me this time so much. Uh, mentally, possibly sexually. Definitely physically abusive grandmother. Uh, but I think grandma shouldn't be that way. But grand, my, grand, my grandmother was feared in, in, feared in, in our whole little country block neighborhood that I grew up in, small town. She was feared by, to be a black woman in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And the police fear you 
You were feared in a small town USA. <coughs> we don't get feared now by nobody. <laughs> yeah, but she had that kind of power. Um, but things I'm not going to the podcast because they're not about me. I talk about the times that she will the power over. Um, and that's you mentioned earlier about relationships. I was married for 21 years. The in and out of countless relationships with my divorce and the best one of my lifetime I can call now because it's one where I'm actually healing and growing. And at the age of almost 61, <laughs> realizing that I mean, I, even though I may not have that many years in front of me, they can be the best years of my life. And part of that, making them the best years of my life, is now engaging with other men of color because. When it comes to this podcast, most of the ones won't come on here, white folk, and their stories can kind of relate, but they can't. But like they say about drinking, we drink different, <laughs> and, and we react different. So it's good to have their stories, but there's a whole audience that also I've learned at times, you know, of men of color of certain ages and demographics. I check my numbers, and there's a lot of things there that you can add, you're adding now. You know, you said one of the things you shared. You said uh, the movies glorify it, the music glorify it. But end of the day, those people are actors. They get up and go home. What you share with me, you go on the ground. You don't go home. You don't get back up. That's the end of your story. And if you come out of it, huh? I said pretty much. And if you come out of it. As you did, you were able to share your story with others, hopefully pull others out of it. And, um, or at least, you can't really pull them out, you can give them information and hopefully they pull themselves out. Uh, so where would you say you're at right now in that, that spectrum? I know, for personally, I'm doing pretty good. I still have my ups and downs, we all will. But on that healing spectrum of living your life on your own terms in a different way, where would you say you at? Where would you say you're at now in that life journey? I'm in a good place. Um, I'm kind of still starting. I feel like I'm a, I'm a toddler with this new programming that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still a lot of kinks in the armor for right now. But I'm, the most thing is, the most important thing is the accountability piece that's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a word I'm coming. To, that's a word I'm coming to, coming to hate. I heard it had a conversation earlier about accountability or something, but it's needed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you can't heal without accountability. Like that's like having a you know you go to AA classes yeah. and they have those sponsors, right? Yeah. Like, that's the reason why you have them because without the sponsor, there's somebody pulling your coattail, you might fall back in. Mm-hmm. So, but in this thing, there's no sponsor. It's just you. Mm-hmm. So if you're not gonna pull your own coattail, so to speak, then you fall right back into the same traps of where you're trying to get away from. So mm-hmm. for me, I have to be accountable. So when I see it or someone even tells me, and this here's what accountability looks like to me. Like if somebody calls me on this, I have to say, I can't fight them because most people fight against it. I know, I'm a good fighter against it. Trust me, all this positive vibes, energy I put out here, Behind the scenes, I find myself clutching accountability some days. (laughs) 
So yeah, at least I know I'm not alone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, if you're gonna heal, you got to be accountable, and you got to be able to hear someone tell you. You got to be able to say, "Hey, you know what? Is that possible? I did this." Even just that, like even if you feel like you didn't do it, because in your mind you didn't, but to another person receiving you, you're doing it all over again. Mm. So it's it's a big difference. It's not about you technically. It's about how the receiver receives you. And if you're doing the same thing you've always done, and you're getting the same results from different people, then you're still doing the same thing. Mm. That's so true and so deep, and it sounds kind of easy to say, but but it's real talk. That's real talk. Uh, that's real talk. Uh, I, uh, I like you probably have known individuals that, that would say they're trying to change certain things. But when you look at what they're doing, they're not making an investment of time and energy to do it. Uh, or as I said, the right now folks, they want it right now. But accountability also requires patience and time. To make a change. I think they say they take 21 days to change a habit, six months to establish a new routine. Accountability, uh, uh, and I know my fiance can probably listen to this at some point. Probably ain't chimed on now because I think I did it live. It was a live recording. Uh, no, I didn't do it live. Uh, next time I do it live. You know who's, uh, it's tough. It really is tough to have an accountability partner, uh, even if it's yourself. Uh, like you said, it's AA, different programs, you have people. At the end of the day, though, those people are gone. You still got to look in the mirror and make that decision what you're going to do in that moment. What am I going to do in that moment? Uh, I'm just personally glad that you made it through what you made it through. Uh, I actually think I would, if it's possible, and you're open to doing this, that this will be a great thing to talk about as a Facebook Live at some point. If you are, are you on Facebook? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I would like to revisit this conversation live. Uh, a lot of my family lives in Philly, and they are on the streets pushing against the violence, fighting for the change. Through their Instagram post, I see the aftermath when they choose to post. This street had a shootout. This street had that. That block had that. Uh, and as long as we are not speaking and talking to each other and trying to bring about that change and recognizing that we have to come about it, I don't think nothing ever will change. Uh, even if it's a small thing, maybe the one life you save. Um, the one life that comes out of something, the one person you know with your story. And that's why I'm glad you were patient. We got everything connected. I don't have an issue with this next time. Uh, I have another speaker that I had to bring on tomorrow night. This is, I'm coming out of the gate hard with this one. I get you today and a retired pastor tomorrow night who came up the streets, the streets of Durham, North Carolina. And Durham may not be South Central, but Durham, uh, one time when I was doing the, doing Lyft driving, uh, I had a client in my car and it was his birthday weekend and we rolled up on this, uh, I rolled up to the address the app gave me and 
it actually pinged the wrong address. It was a house across the street. And I tell this story often because it put me up front, put me up there on the front lines of what happens in the city of Durham, North Carolina. Uh, I said, we're, you know, yep, we're here. And he said, no, we're not. It's a house across the street. And the next thing he said was got my attention. He said, don't worry about nothing. You ride with me, you won't get shot. <laughs> I'm like, they see my lift light. They see the car. They don't know me. But I looked around where he got out at. He was serious. <laughs> He's like, we were that part of down where people get shot for just looking stupid. Looking at their own self or whatever. I said stupid, but they looked the wrong way or whatever. I'm like, wow. It's a Sunday morning. This man will tell me, don't worry about nothing. You and me, you won't get shot. He's getting out to walk into that house to celebrate and drink some of his boys and continue his birthday celebration. I'm like, wow. I'm like, wow. Yeah, I'm like, wow. Just, um, stories. Again, I could have renamed this podcast years ago just stories of people, but I chose to do what I did largely because life is definitely about more than living. But sometimes you got to come out of something to appreciate the fullness of life. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Uh, if there's one thing you could say to anybody across every, first to our black folk, our black young men, men of all ages, what's that one thing you would say to them that, that will listen to this podcast episode? Stop listening to rap music. Are you serious? Why? I'm dead serious. Because I'm a hip hop fan. I make music. Mm-hmm. I make hip hop. But this this hip hop of today, and and it began with Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg to me. But since Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, today's music, it has become the narrative of our trauma. It's like, like you said, it's like a trigger for our trauma. So the more we record this song in our head, and pretty much every song has the same trauma thread all the way through it. Drugs, violence, misogyny. They all have the same thread. And these these songs are knocking, banging on the door of everyone's trauma. And it's, it's creating these robots that's walking around in the world as if this is normal because it's on the radio, it's on television, it's in their car, it's everywhere you go. People like Snoop Dogg, people like Dr. Dre, people like the entire death row corporation business record label needs to be called to the table. And they need to be held accountable. But until then, we have a choice to change it. And this is not for everybody. This is for only for people who are ready to make a difference and change their lives. If you want to be stuck in Negroville all you want to, stay stuck in Negroville all you want to. Listen to Snoop Dogg and whoever else today, 2 Chains or whatever else is out there selling this trash or selling this narrative. But in order to fix you, you can't try to fix you and then get in your car and pop in this music and play it still. Wow. Just can't do it. So... And I'm attacking that because 
<laughs> it's the one that's attacking us the most. They're attacking us through the music. They've created this problem. They started with snooping them, and they've created this problem that now it's normal for a young kid, 17 years old, to think that he's a thug. Look at John Morant. Like, you are an NBA player with a father and a mother, and you think you're a thug. Where did you get that from? <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh, but that's a lot. Because I'm not into hip-hop, but I've heard that same that same thing with other people. Like, these people have never really experienced this stuff, but they're acting like they have. Wow. Wow. I, mean, I lived it, bro. I mean, I went to school with Tyron Turner, the one who played in Menace Society. Mm -hmm. I went to school with the guy who shot Tyron Turner in Menace Society. Like, I lived this, I lived this life. I lived every bit of it. If I had nine friends, ten friends, nine or eight of them are dead or in jail. Wow. Or did 25. Like, <clears throat> I made it out, luckily. The only reason I made it out because my cousin saved me. Wow. That's the only reason. Wow. That's the only reason. Like, my cousin, he told everybody in my neighborhood not to try to put me on the neighborhood. This is not for my cousin. Leave him alone. If y'all mess with him, y'all going to have to come see me. And at the time, he was an OG to these cats that I was around. So they left me alone. Three months later, he got shot up 15 times with an AK. Mm. And then we're going to get into a song with Dr. Dre. They've been talking about he's shooting cats with AK. That's a trigger for people like me. Wow. I knew I was going to get a lot from you. I didn't know it was going like this, though. Man. That's Sometimes. why I'm listening to R&B music. I'm listening to R&B music either. It's, it's stupid. <laughs> well, on that one, I got to say, a lot of the R&B music don't make no sense. The classic stuff, whenever it's made by maybe certain people, yeah, but some of the newest, I got to agree with you, some of the newer stuff, it's pretty much extremely misogynistic. And I'm, that's coming from a person who grew up in a misogynistic environment. <laughs> Uh, exactly. Um, even though I have a strong, wheel special K grandmother, it was still a misogynistic environment. Uh, so I'm gonna leave the R&B music part alone, though. But, but, but <laughs> good idea. No, I won't. No, I, no, I want to hear your thoughts on it. This is about you and your your opinion. People, I think I agree with it. But some stuff, I think there's some good in every opinion, as long as it's not creating a hateful spirit in people. Hate for a product, hate for a type of music, hate for something that's going to make you less of who you could be. That's a different kind of hate than hate, other types of hate. So go ahead and put it out there. I mean, let me be let me be clear. I love our music. I love hip-hop. I love mm -hmm. R&B. It's general. Right. I love all kind of artists, right? Mm -hmm. But the majority of of our music and that's including R&B it's strictly trauma music the majority of it is from a broken heart somebody cheating on you um or going, to, or, or, or going to cheat on you <laughs> exactly or going to cheat on you can I have sex with you it ain't nothing about a family yeah when you think about it that way it's not really romance anymore like it used to be no it's not it's like it's all about it's it's, it's pretty much been taking on a life with, with the rap music of today but it's like 
it's not nothing. I mean, that's, that goes back to Mary J. Blige and them. That goes back all the way to that. Her music was dark. Mm-hmm. She came from a dark place. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's going to be dark. It has to be. That's because where she, where she came from. Right. So if we're trying to grow and have a really functional relationship with somebody, you got to change the narrative, bro. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of address that one thing because I did watch her her biography. Um, and, and, and it takes me back to something encounter I had today. If we as individuals choose to go beyond the music and look at these in certain individuals, not all, but the ones, the ones we like, to see their backstories and, mm-hmm. and look at it logically as I can, I can understand where they were at and see where they came from from that place then there's mm-hmm. a healing in it however if we choose to look at it and listen to yeah. it or watch it yeah. the video, music videos or music itself or whatever it is and just take it in as entertainment then it's doing, it's doing exactly what you're talking about uh, I had an encounter with an older guy today and we got a conversation he said well they said, and you don't want to get me upset, tell me they said, because I want to ask you who are they. Okay. <laughs> um, but if I could ask him that question, I, I simply said, I told him, so what we're talking about, you can research it for yourself. So going on my own word. He got mad and walked away from the conversation. He wanted me to tell him what I thought. And the topic we were talking, discussing, I didn't want to give him my opinion of it because my opinion of it was just been that. He was discussing, we were discussing something dealing with uh, a buyout of a certain company. And I told him, so I've heard here, I've heard about it, but if you check it out, you will find out this one didn't happen. He didn't like that. Uh, so going, tying that back into what we're talking about now. It's just a matter of being willing to open yourself up and get a better understanding behind the scenes if that's that important to you. Or you get indoctrinated by the music. R&B, hip hop, what country, all the music genres now, basically outside of instrumentals, are doing exactly what you just talked about. You can also the country. It's about cheating, drinking, alcohol, wrecks, all this other stuff. Uh, it's anti, pretty much anti-family in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, so I can't disagree with you on those opinions because those opinions are solid if you allow yourself to be drawn into that. You follow me? Yeah, for sure. I mean, but you can if, if you're an alcoholic, you don't hang out with at the bar every, every Friday night, do you? Nah. You just can't. Can't do it. Can't do it. But, uh, can't do it. Uh-uh, you got to pull back. You got to pull back. It's, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it. I said it this evening. Uh, I'm not given time. I'm not invested time I need to in my podcast or other things. So now with this accident today, I got to pause for a couple of weeks and, and reassess some things. And I got time to do it now until my car gets prepared. <laughs> uh, mm. It's drivable, but I don't want to. I want to be careful how much I drive it. Because the guy hit it so hard, he cut through the first panel of my right, my driver's side passenger door on the back. 
and he cut down the second layer of, of steel. That was a Nissan put three layers of steel in that car. <laughs> Thankfully, it wasn't about sitting in my car, but me in the back seat. What about in the back seat of the car? So yeah, the point was now I got to get, I don't, you know, I don't drive it to get it repaired. But going back again, trying to wrap this thing up. Uh, in some ways, we may have to insulate ourselves and or withdraw ourselves from certain types of things, or even minimize ourselves, our association. Like you, you called out some major players in hip hop. You went to R&B a little bit, and there's lots of truisms in that. Somebody listening to this is gonna be highly upset by that. They said, "Oh, here comes another person blaming the music." Next right on to However, the music <coughs> itself. It's, it's like what you eat. You take too much of it in. It, it, your best doc, thing you enjoy the most can still make you sick and jump food. So yeah. Uh, but anyway, one closing thought you like to leave for the audience. Um, and hit me up through the email. It was a good time where we can do a Facebook Live. And it's going to just, we'll probably get like at least 30 to 40, 50 people on that live, if not more. I know it's going to get a bunch of replays. Because what you just said about the music and everything, uh, I know we're in different time zones and slots and everything. You hit me up. We can do a, thir- a Thursday night Facebook Live if you're free on a Thursday night or Wednesday night. And let's just let's just go there and connect L.A. with Philly and New York and all the places where my, fam- my family is active on the streets, pushing against some of this stuff, trying to help others cope with the trauma. Um, Let's take your story out that way. All I need you to do is send me your Facebook profile or hit me on Facebook as Alfred Harrell more than a poet, friends request, and hit me back to the email when you're available to do this next week or whatever. On Wednesday, Thursday evening, we can do this. Uh, I don't think I have nobody recording next Wednesday evening. But we'll work it out. Or Thursday evening. Okay. All right, bro. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, again, this has been Life is About More Than Living. I appreciate y'all for checking it out. Replay this episode and share it with your listening audiences around the platforms. If you have Alexa in your house, say, hey, Alexa, play Life is About More Than Living, the podcast. Uh, see, that was my Alexa saying that. Anyway, uh, and continue doing what you do. Uh, and I'm going to hit you up, my brother. And we can touch some some black lives. It really makes it. Not just talk about black lives matter. We know they matter. Let's hit some black lives with this, this information. And I think I have 3,000 followers on Facebook because I started doing reels now. So I'm a, I really promote it across that. Once you give me a time slot and a date. But this will be yours to cross promote and share once I hang up and close it out. Give me about 10 minutes, I'll send it to you. Okay? Okay, bro. All right, bro.